Thank you, Matt. Well, that's good, Pastor Matt, because uh, we're talking about all about questions today. But before we talk about questions today, um, we are thrilled that we have been able to get artists that are as well-known and as accomplished as we have been able to do. And so we have Crowder, David Crowder, coming in this week, which is a really big name for such a small space like us. We blew through the first night like a month ago, so we added a second night. There are still some tickets to get for this Friday night at December the 8th, the Crowder Christmas. So if you want to come and see one of the best known names uh, in Christian music over the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years, there's still room to be able to do that. Okay. Well, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. All right. Fantastic. This has been the first time we've been able to uh, be in our space and leave decorations set up. This is cool. And the stage looks awesome. And the uh, wall and all this stuff is fantastic. What is, what is Christmas about? It's really about what I want to talk about today. It's about a, a lot of uniquely new things. Okay. Unique. We love new stuff, don't we? We love new clothes. We love new shoes. Anybody love new shoes? Anybody into shoes here? Okay, thank you very much. We love new clothes, new shoes, new cars, nothing like that new car smell. You know what I'm saying? Uh, If you're still looking for a 2023 Christmas gift, there is something that has been rated number one above everything else that people in general want this Christmas season. Does anybody please want to take a guess what it is? What is it? What's that? Groceries. Groceries? All right, that's a unique answer. I didn't anticipate that. What else? What, what, what do you think is the number one gift to get with the new thing that everybody wants in 2023? Go ahead. IPhone? iPhone? Okay, okay. Actually, uh, you're right. The number one thing is a new tech gadget. It is smartphones and smart watches. So you can't go too wrong, you know, this, with this survey saying that this is what we want. We want something brand new. Okay, so Christmas is all about something new, something unique, uniquely new. And here, the title of our message is Star of Wonder. Where do we get that? We got that from the very famous, the first famous Christmas carol ever written in the United States of America. Let me read you the opening lyrics. We three kings of Orient are. Bearing gifts, we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Now, here's the title. O star of wonder, star of night, star of royal beauty, bright, westward leading. Why west? Why west? That's really important. We'll come back to that. Still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. That was written, as I said, the first famous Christmas carol ever written in the United States of America in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Does anybody know what else besides We Three Kings that Williamsport, Pennsylvania is famous for? Little League League World Series. Exactly right. We Three Kings of Orient Art. Who are these people? Who are these three kings, these magi, these wise men? Who who, who are these people? They're Zoroastrian priests. In ancient astrology... Over in the east, you had this group of people called Zoroastrian priests, and they studied the stars. And so they show up here to Jerusalem, and they're asking, where is the king? And they asked that question to the king, and his name was Herod. And it is so weird that Herod didn't like ask any questions back, or he didn't make a statement saying, what are you talking about? I am the king. You have found the king. What exactly does this star that these Zoroastrian priests were following, what does it represent in the Bible? 
It represents something brand new. And this is why Herod didn't say, hey, I'm the king. Because they knew. They said, hey, we've been following this star. We are looking for something uniquely new. Something brand new. And Herod, there's nothing new about this guy. He's old. He follows all the old ways, too. So we're looking for something brand new. Uh, famous line uh, with Abraham and Sarah, two of the most famous people in the Bible. God says, I'm going to fill the sky with stars. Like you're not going to be able to count all the followers, all the offspring that you have, like the stars of the sky. God is saying, I'm going to fill the heavens just to, just to remind you with so much newness. God is really into new things. Matter of fact, here's what I want to say. God wants something new for your life more than you want something new for your life. We often think, particularly as we come to the end of the year and we start with a brand new year, we're like, oh my gosh, I want things to be better. I want things to be newer. I just want, I want a new, I need a new beginning. Here's the thing. God wants something new. God wants something new for your life more than you want something new for your life. And God fills the, the heavens with stars and tells Abraham and Sarah, just look up. That's how much newness I want. This is what God has for us, right? This actually completes the story. These visitors who come from the east looking for something new, uniquely new, completes the story that we began back in September. We talked about King Hezekiah. Said their visitors came from the east moving westward. Now in the scripture, because you constantly see it starting in the book of Genesis, people are moving away from God and they move eastward. But when people come back to seeking God, they move westwards. Like they're, they're, they want to know more about God. They're curious about God. And so these visitors show up from the east to King Hezekiah. They said, how did you have this great victory? We talked about it in the Lamentation series. And he sold them the same old, same old. And Isaiah comes in and says, what did those people from the east want? He said, well, they were, they were asking questions about how we had this great victory. What'd you show them? I showed them the gold and I showed them the silver. I showed them the same thing that every nation has. And Isaiah says these incredible words. He says, because you showed them what every nation has, they'll come back and do what every nation does. They'll destroy the city. And that's exactly what they did. Now here completes the story because these people come from the east and they're looking for something new. And because they saw something uniquely new in Jesus Christ, the savior, the prince of peace, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, we're told in verse number 12 at the end of the story that the Kraft family read. They went home a new way. This is what this series really is all about, that God has something new for us. We see that Herod is totally complacent. He is a statement person. He just makes statements, doesn't ask questions. You would think if somebody showed up, these people from the East, these Zoroastrian priests, these unlikely people, by the way, Zoroastrian priests, we call them wise men. Uh, 2,000 years ago when they showed up in Jerusalem, they would have been considered foolish men. Because they're studying the stars. So they show up, the most unlikely people. And they're asking questions. They're seeking Herod. He just, he's just totally complacent. He doesn't ask any questions. He's not curious about anything at all. God is interested in doing a new thing in your life all the time. You might say, John, how do you know that, man? Aren't you just guessing? Well, the Bible here is filled with stories and symbols that God puts in over and over again to remind us that God really, really, really wants to do something new in your life. Check out Isaiah 43, verse number 19. God is speaking. He says, see, I am doing what kind of thing? I'm doing a new thing. Isn't it true that we just constantly need to be renewed? That we are drifters. We're, we're drifters. Like in life, we get off track. Or in our relationships, we get off track. I was like, man, I need something to be renewed. I feel like everything is fizzled out in my life. God says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Don't you know it? 
I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I like this word right here in Hebrew. Don't you perceive it? It's the word yada. Anybody ever heard of the word yada? Yada, yada, yada. Anybody heard that yada, yada, yada before? That means to have like personal experience. Sometimes we talk about they knew each other in a biblical way, right? They had personal experience. They yada, yada, yada. Well, what's being said right here is God said, I want you to personally, I don't want you to hear about something new. I want you to actually experience something brand new. This is what God wants for us. What's it going to take for that to happen? What's it going to take for this to go from words to actually reality in our own lives? What is stopping all this newness that God wants for us? Is it forces of darkness? Is it other people? Well, the prime answer in scripture is it's us. It's you. It's me. Particularly, it's a closed mind. Specifically, we have a closed mind. And you see that in this story. Uh, I asked Krista this past week because I had a really hard time thinking of an instance. I said, Krista, I'm having a hard time thinking even in one instance. Can you think of a time when I was closed-minded? She said, how many do you want? (laughs) Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Why? Why? Because you have rejected it. Listen, here's human nature. This is what we know about human nature. We see it all throughout history. We don't, we we are drawn to close minds. We close our minds on certain things. And it leads to this complacency, this oldness. We get, we get stiff. Our relationships get stiff. Our life gets stiff. We don't, we don't head, we have to. And so this is what's being said in Hosea right here. You're rejecting the new things. God is basically saying to us that we need to unmake our minds. Can you unmake your mind? Can you open it up to something brand new? Can you do it? Because this is what this story is saying. Our problem is it's very natural for all of us to have closed mind. Now, Walter Badgehot, he said something. I think this is fantastic. And it's so much, he's so true about human nature. Look what he says. One of the greatest pains to human nature is the pain of a new idea. One of the greatest pains of human nature is the pain of a new idea. Christmas is all about new, and everybody's rejecting the new, except for the most unlikely group of people, the Zoroastrian priests, who come curious, seeking, and asking questions, not making statements. I want us to get prepared, actually. Uh, I've just been thinking and meditating and praying, God, what do you want to say to the people that will be sitting in this room? What do you want to say to me as we wind up 2023 and we head into 2024 and I just over months and months and praying and thinking and thinking about Christmas and thinking about this star and this star of wonder I just felt so impressed God said I want to do something new I really want to do something new I want to bring new life into people's lives I want to bring new life into people's you know viewpoint on things or relationships or purpose or inspiration I mean, we get so worn out, particularly in this city. The city grinds us, okay? It's very stressful when it grinds us. I want to I just inject some serious life. I want to take some of the stress away, and I want to bring a joy for living once again. God wants to do something new, but there's something that is going to be needed for that to happen, and it's going to have to take a real curious heart, an open mind. We're going to study in 2024 the greatest sermon in the history of the world, the most researched sermon, the sermon that's been written about more than any other sermon in the history of the world, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of like Jesus' greatest hits. 
Now, you know, and I'll tell you this when we get to it, right? He didn't like sit down in one setting. Nobody could handle all the stuff that he was throwing out in those three chapters. This is like, boom, it's a tidal wave of information. So it's like it's a compilation Matthew puts together for us. And he talks about all kinds of issues. He talks about life and lust and marriage and adultery and frustration, anxiety, the need for peace getting free from worry, prayer, all the things that Washingtonians are really, really interested in. But you know what? In this, we're going to go back to the kind of the original, original, original intent. And what happens over time is we get to use the kind of the old stuff. And there are going to be things that I say, because I've said it to me before, right? I said like, whoa, I've never thought about this before. I'd have to open my mind up to believe this. We're going to be challenged with new stuff. Can we open up our minds enough to hear? We have to prepare. It's like that great Christmas carol, Joy to the World. Prepare him room. We have to prepare a room. My life for Christmas, everybody, has always been colored in brown. Brown. Because for five years, I worked for the United Parcel Service. And I drove a brown truck. And I wore a brown uniform, and most boxes are brown. My life was filled with brown. What can brown do for you? I'll tell you what brown did for me. It wore me out, okay? And during Christmas time, once you got close to Thanksgiving, all the way to Christmas time, it was a deluge of packages, like so many packages. We increased volume, went up. And so we would walk into our trucks as a package car driver. That's what I did. And wow, boxes were everywhere. Well, if boxes were everywhere and they weren't in their right place, because you have to follow an order, right? Everything is by an address. And so you have a flow of what you do. And if a box gets out of place, it really messes up your day. And if you don't want to be out there to two o'clock in the morning, either A, you got a really great preloader loading your loading your truck, or B, you go in there 30 minutes early and you sweat off the clock and you make everything. It's hard work and you do that. And that's what I did every Christmas season. I would go in 30 minutes early, off the clock. I would go into the truck. I'd make, I prepare all things. So I'm telling you, in order for us to experience a great day, not a lousy day, in order for us to experience the new thing God wants to do, we're going to have to prepare ourselves. And it is going to be some hard work. Most of the preparation happens right in our minds. Now, why does Matthew begin his gospel, his book, the way he does? He begins with a genealogy, okay? Now, I need some honesty in the room, okay? For those of you who have actually, you know, read the Bible. Not all of us have read the Bible. Not all of us have read all parts of the Bible. But for those of you who have been reading the Bible and you've come across a genealogy, how many of us in the room actually just flip the page and passed right over it? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Okay, genealogies are boring. Can you say boring with me? One, two, three, Boring, boring, man, it's just boring. I don't want to read a genealogy. It's just like ridiculous. What's in this genealogy? Except for this one's a little exciting because there's four women in this genealogy and it's not just, it's not just any women. They're like, they're unique women and Matthew put them in there specifically. Very specifically. Here's the four women. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. Now, what do they represent? Here's what they represent. They represent these four people who had very questionable histories, very questionable past. People were people had closed their mind like, oh, yeah, I know who they are. Like, everybody around says, yeah, I got, I got them. There's nothing else to learn here. You know, like, like, it's like when you move past a, a, a traffic uh, accident or whatever. It's like, move along. There's nothing to be seen here. Close your mind. There's nothing new to be learned here. That is these four women. 
Except for the weird thing is, is we're told in scripture, and Matthew loves this word, one of his favorite words is righteousness. He says, they're more righteous than the other people around them. What? Hey, how many women in this room love it when people judge you? I won't say men, I'll just say people. How many, how many women in this room love it when, pe- when, when people around you judge you about your life, about your morals, about your decisions, and they just close their mind on who you are and what you've done? Any, any women in the room say, yeah, I love that. Do that more. Okay, this is what happens with you. Closed mind, they're closed minded. They're totally closed minded. There's nothing to be seen here. I want to say something about intellectual indifference. If you want a new beginning in your life, you're going to have to deal with this intellectual indifference thing. Our minds are closed where God's wisdom still flows. You know what God is saying here in this story? He's saying there's more to be seen with these four women. I'm calling them more righteous than everybody else around them. You're questioning the things they did. And boy, if it wasn't Christmas, I'd tell you the things they did. But it's Christmas, and I'm trying to keep things, okay? I'm trying to clean things up. You can read the story stuff. Go look it up, all right? Okay. Our minds are closed where God's wisdom still flows. But wait a minute. There's not four women in the genealogy. There's five. Who's the fifth? Thank you very much. Whoever said that over there? Mary, and she is in the same boat. Her fiancé is Joseph. Okay, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He's a really great guy. He has a closed mind, doesn't he? He's going to divorce her. He's going to put her away. It's like she's she's tainted goods. She's pregnant. How'd she get pregnant? Well, so it says he decided, I'm done. Door closed. It's over. He's a good guy. He's a great guy, but he's not a curious guy. It took divine intervention. It took an angel to come down and says, hey, buddy, you need to open your mind back up. You need to actually unmake your mind. There's more to be seen here. You've closed your mind on something that you think, oh, yeah, this is not right. I need you to open your mind back up. I, here's my question to you all today. Are, are, can, if you want this new beginning that God wants in your life, I've wrestled with this so much myself. Are, can you unmake your mind? Because this is exactly what God is saying in the Christmas story of Matthew. Can you make, what have you made your mind up about? What person, what situation, what group, what topic? Like, ah, closed, done, move on, nothing to be seen here. And God says, oh, boy, man, there might be a whole lot more to be seen here. Are you prepared to unmake your mind? Herod, these magi, these Zoroastrian priests, these people, this group, the most unlikely people to come to town asking for questions that have to do with God. They come asking questions, and Herod is making statements. And therein lies the difference, everybody. Are you a statement person or are you a question person? I'm not talking about questioning. I'm talking about curiosity, really wanting to ask questions. We do much better. Our curiosity level is totally tied to that. Are you a curious person? I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to stop and reflect about a time when maybe um, you've been wrong about somebody or something. Let's think about that for a second. Something where you need to, to open your mind back up to. I tell you, a funny story just happened in the last 10 days that my wonderful wife has reminded me of about a hundred times between now and then is that we were removing all the fall decor from our house, putting it away and pulling out Christmas. Now, Christmas is a big deal to Krista because it was an extravaganza in her house. It wasn't so much in my house. So it's a big deal. So we go to put all the, 
all the fall away. And I said, well, before we like fill the room up with all the fall stuff that has to go in the bins and put away, I said, let's put it over here and let's get all the Christmas out. And then once we got the room cleared, we'll put it all in. She said, nope, I think there's a better way. And I'd like, nope, this is the way to do it. This is the way we're doing it. Oh my gosh. And uh, it did not turn out well because we ended up not putting the fall stuff away and she's been tripping over it all week. And um, she knew that was gonna happen. And every time she tripped over it, you know, there was a few words to be said. Do you know what I'm saying? We can make up our minds so very easily. God wants to do something new in our life. It's gonna be tied to your and my curiosity level. And by nature, we tend to be people about making statements not about curiosity. God wants to do something new. New hope, a new life, new purpose, a new way. Now, I want to conclude with this, okay? Uh, When the Israelites, they're leaving Egypt, it's a big deal. It's a huge story in the Bible, right? So they've been oppressed. They've been oppressed by all the old ways. God says, I want to lead you to a new thing. And this is how God puts it in Exodus chapter three. It's always confused me. God says, I want to lead you to a land flowing with, does anybody know flowing with what? Milk milk and honey, milk and honey. And then God says that 14 times in the next few books, starting next over and over and over again. I want to lead you to a land flowing milk and honey. Okay, can can you put a visual inside your head on that for a second? Like you're walking around a land and like milk is flowing, there's honey all over the place. How do you feel about that? Is that good? What in the world is that supposed to mean? And, and, and right now, that land that God led them to, was it actually sprouting milk and honey all over the place? I don't think so. So what exactly does this mean? I've been reading a fascinating book by an astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And uh, this has nothing to do with the stars for a second, but it does have everything to do with something new. And he said, you know, there's a controversy about, you know, like what we eat in this world, particularly in a city like this, in a hip city like we're in Washington, D.C., about what we eat. And you want to eat things that actually don't kill stuff. And he says, you know what, actually, if you eat fruit, these are, these are living organisms. And, you, and when you eat vegetables and stuff, they're living. And he says this, there's actually only two foods that rise above everything else that you don't have to kill anything. Like you don't have to, kill, you don't have to take life away at all. There's only two foods to do it. The only two foods. And he says, that is what? Milk and honey. honey. I want to show you his statement that he says about milk and honey. Check this out. You ready for this? A milk and honey diet would be the least violent way that you could possibly live on earth. So what is God saying 3,000? Astrophysicists figure this out, right? In 21st century. What is God saying 3,000 years ago when I want to lead you, representative of all of you in this room by the Israelites, I want to lead you to a land that is pouring forth milk and honey, that God wants to lead you to a land that's pouring forth new life. That's what God has for you. God wants you to be in that land that's doing nothing. Isn't that amazing? This is the land that God has for you. It is flowing with new life. We suffer from being closed-minded. God wants us to be open-minded so we can live in this type of land. Cognitive curiosity. A humble heart is where you must start because pride pummels all your new beginnings. I'm going to ask the music team to come out. They're going to help us with just a wonderful Christmas carol to to end. And I just want to make a couple last comments. And uh, this is what I want to talk about. Why in the world does the Bible follow a lunar calendar and not a solar calendar? I mean, what's the deal with the Bible doing that? 
Why does the Bible and the calendar follow the moon and not the sun? Wouldn't it make more sense to follow the sun? One thing about the sun, it's just there. It's just like always there. It's like, boom, it's always there. Here's the thing about the moon, everybody. The moon kind of waxes and wanes, right? So it'll be full moon. Bah, there it is, bright, big, full moon. And then a week or so later, you get to the point where all you see is a little tiny sliver. That's like your life and like my life. This is what we do. This is what we know about human beings. We do this. We wax and wane like the moon. And so you know what God does? I want you to follow that moon up there because I want you to know every 30 days I celebrate the new beginnings that I want to bring into your life. Your life is not static. It doesn't have to be always stuck down here in the grind like Washington, D.C. does to us. God wants to give us a new beginning. I want you to celebrate it every 30 days because God loves new beginnings so much. So in, uh, in the Bible, it's called Rosh Kadesh. It's a new moon festival. 12 times a year, they would celebrate, oh my gosh, God, you want to do a brand new thing. You want to do a new thing in our lives. And they would celebrate this. And on Rosh Kadesh, there would be more joy and less sorrow. You'd focus on, thank you, God, for the good things. That'll lead you, that'll actually lead you to a curious spirit uh, 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 attitude and mind and away from being complacent, more joy. Here's the other thing. You know what the other thing is? It's a holiday for women. Do, do, do any women in the room want a holiday especially for them? Anybody, any women want to sit around and just watch? Thank you. Becky's the only woman in this room who wants a personal holiday. You want a holiday because you can, you can sit around and watch all the men work while the women get a holiday. That's what they did on Rosh Kodesh. Every 30 days, God said women get a holiday. Tradition tells us, why, does, why do women get a holiday every 30 days? Because they were leaving the land of the old ways, the oppression, the death ways, right? Because there's nothing unique about Egypt. And they were following Following something uniquely new that for the first time in the world we've been introduced in the pages of scripture and they got out into the middle of the desert and they bowed down and they worshiped the golden calf now it's a very complex thing but let me tell you what it means it means looking back to the old ways they bowed down to the old ways and here's what tradition tells us is that primarily it was all men who bowed down to the old ways and primarily it was all women Primarily, all women who refused to bow down to doing things same old, same old, old ways. They were looking forward with curiosity to the new thing that God wanted to do. And so because of that on Rosh Kadesh, women get a day off to do what? To either rest or to study and ask questions about God's word. I think that's fascinating. Here's, here's, my, here's my challenge to you this week. Stop the monologue and start the dialogue. Don't be a Herod, a statement person. Be one of these magi from the East who is a question person, not a questioning person, but somebody whose life is marked by curiosity and questions primarily towards the scripture. There is so much new. Just Do you think you know the Christmas story? I've come to learn I know nothing about the Christmas story. There is so much in here that is brand spanking new that connects to a Washingtonian. And when we get into the Sermon on the Mount, oh boy, be ready. Now, what will end up happening is what always happens in church. We either are curious or we get offended and we walk out and we say, oh no, I've already closed my mind to that. And we miss the new thing that God wants to do. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. God has a new beginning for you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you so much, God, that you want to 
You want to place us in a land that is pouring forth new life. And you describe it as milk and honey in your word. Lord, for those of us here, someone's like, oh no, it'll never, I can never experience the new, I so desperately want it, and it's just not going to happen. Lord, would you clear all of that thinking out of our minds? Would you help us to actually unmake our minds and be open like Joseph did when you confronted him and said, there's more to be seen here? There is more to be seen. Help us to be people marked by curiosity. People who ask questions and make far fewer statements. In Christ's name, amen.